mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Bibles with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be beginning in verse 1. Little background. If you'll remember with me, we just completed 1 Peter. 1 Peter was written maybe two, two and a half, three years prior to this, written around 64, 65 AD. 2 Peter written around 67, 68 AD. 1 Peter he really focuses in on enduring through suffering. Second Peter, we're going to see that his theme is really dealing with false teachers. Now, there's a lot of things that he says, but I want you to understand that as we go through it, he's going to be dealing with false teachers. And he's not even going to mention any of them specifically, but he's going to talk about them and he's going to give us the answer, the antidote the Word of God. And when you learn the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, when you're trusting the Spirit of God, you automatically recognize the false teachers. You know, when you work at a bank, now I, have, I, I talked to one lady that did work at a bank and she said this was true. Did they teach you this at the bank? Did they show you? See, they don't, they don't, when you go into a bank, they don't hand you every false counterfeit dollar bill, $50 bill, everything that's been fake for years. They don't hand you that. And so they used to do this. I don't know if they still do it, but what they do is they let you handle real money. You're handling real money, and then they slip in a counterfeit, and you recognize it doesn't feel like the rest of the money. You would think, oh, let's show them every fake dollar bill. You don't have to know about, see, study about, go chase down and, and, and talk about every false doctrine out there, every false teacher out there, every false ministry out there. What you want to do is learn the Word of God. Everything that we need for life and godliness is contained in the Word of God. It's the truth of God. It, 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 there's the living word of God, Jesus Christ, who come to earth and took flesh, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then there's these 66 books, his voice, what, he is, what he's been doing, the history of God. The history of God's creation, the history of God's redemption. He's still working today. So Peter's going to talk to us about that in 2 Peter. He wants us to know that we are supposed to have a true love relationship with God. And most people will settle up for 
going to church on Sunday and hearing a pastor talk about the Word of God, and they'll receive that echo of what that pastor has learned. Now, don't get me wrong. This is what's designed. The shepherd is supposed to be leading to still waters, supposed to be living to, leading to good grazing ground. But if you're living off of just an echo from a pastor on Sunday morning, whatever morning it is, whatever day it is, then you're only hearing an echo of the Word of God. Now, God can speak to you while I'm speaking, and the Holy Spirit can bring something to your heart, but you're supposed to be involved in the Word of God, learning it, reading it, learning to discern and hear the true voice of God so that you know His voice, so that when it's time for you to move this way, you know what's going on. I don't know if I, have I told you guys about the blind slalom skiers? Probably. There's such a thing. There's people that are blind. They go, hey, you shouldn't just be able to ski and us not be able to ski. So there's blind slalom skiers. What do they do? In the flats, they train them in the flats. They train them on level ground. And what do they do? They learn to listen to their instructor's voice. They have to know that voice. They have to hear that voice because when they get on the hill and they're going downhill, it's life or death. When he says turn, when he says move, when he says get right, left, he, you have to be moving the exact way that he tells you to move. You're blind. You will die. You and I are blind in the spiritual realm. God sees every bit of it. He wants us to learn to hear his voice, to understand his word, to obey him by faith because he knows what he's talking about. He can't lie. There's no lie in him. So whatever he says is automatically true. Whether you see it, whether your flesh feels it, whether your life likes it, it's true. It's best for you. But there's a bunch of liars out there that want to deceive you into thinking that there's something else to follow. So Peter, probably just before his death, that's why we think it was written around AD, between AD 67-68, he was put to death crucified during while Nero was still alive and Nero died in AD 68 but he was put to death crucified during Nero's reign of terror and history tells us that Peter refused or petitioned them and said please do not crucify me right side up I'm not worthy to die the way my Lord and Savior died so crucify me upside down. He was crucified upside down. Uh, that's how he died, he, according to church history. I don't know that to be true. I wasn't there. I thought that was interesting that Peter in his life rebuked Jesus and said, No, Lord, you're not going to die. But then after he grows in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows that he's not even worthy to die the way that Christ did. And so... Um, there's something about growing that we need to understand. Are you growing in the faith? Listen, this is what Peter's theme is going to be. I always say, always be on the grow. See, if you're not growing, there's no standing still. In the spiritual realm, you're going backward. 
I know some people haven't front slid. We need to take that test and say, am I even in the faith? But many times people think they're backslidden and they're not even saved yet because they've never fully trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a head knowledge. They, they know that Jesus is Lord, but they don't have a heart knowledge. See, there's that one foot or sometimes it's a little bit more where it's got to go from your head to your heart where you begin to trust in God. There is no standing still in the kingdom of God. You're either growing or you're dying. You don't water a plant, it's either growing or dying. It's going to dry up, it's going to die. You have to tend it, you have to take care of it. So we're going to learn that it's the word of God once again. If you, if you haven't seen that theme yet throughout the Bible, it's the word of God. You know, if it's like a child being born. When you're reborn, you have to feed that child. You have to learn to walk. Crawl first, right? Then walk. Then you move on to maturity. But if that child comes out of the womb and it doesn't want to eat, doesn't want to crawl, no noise, no nothing, no signs of life. Think about it. Are we really reborn if we have no signs of life? We have no desire to get into the Word of God. See, these are things that some people get mad at me for talking about, but I would much rather you know them right now today and think about it today than to wait till you get to heaven after you've given up your body. And Jesus said, be away from me. I never knew you. You never believed in me. You were doing your own thing. Some people say, well, you shouldn't make people question. Yes, you should. Paul said, test, test yourself. Try yourself to see if you're even in the faith. It's so important that all the devil wants you to do, see, is die without knowing Jesus. That's all he wants you to do. That's it. And all God wants you to do is to come to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. And there's no middle ground in that. But if a child was not crawling, if a child was not eating, if a child was not learning to walk, we would be very concerned. We would be very concerned. And its growth was stunted. And it's the same thing when you're reborn. You know, if you're born once, you die twice. Do you know that? If you're only born once of water from your mother, you're going to die twice. You're going to die a physical death, and then you're going to be cast into hell with a spiritual death forever. But if you're born twice, you only die once. If you're born of water from your mother, and then you're born of the blood of Jesus by believing in him, then all you're going to do is die in a physical death and you're going to be alive forever. Born once, you die twice. You're born twice, you only die once. But when you're reborn, as Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 or verse 2, you should desire the pure milk of the word that you can grow thereby. That's what children do. That's what God's children do. You say, "What? Well, I was I was a sinner. I was lost." I, I, I needed a Savior. I didn't even know that. And now I'm reborn because I believe in Jesus. Well, now I'm a little child, and I need to learn again all over. I remember when I got saved, I realized that everything I thought I knew was a lie. 
Everything I thought I knew, I was taught by the world to turn into sway of the wicked one. Everything I thought was good was upside down because you have the world in one hand and you have God in the other. And they're diametrically opposed. And you have to really start to compare what you think you know because everything you've been taught before you knew Jesus was under earthly, central, demonic wisdom only made to make you grow in your self-esteem and your pride and to forget God. Oh yeah, they think they know God. People think they know God. But what they know is what they is religion. It's based on works. But the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ is based solely on His blood. It's a gift. You can't earn it. And if you think you're earning it at any time in your salvation, you've got your wires crossed. And now you're trying to earn it, and you cannot please God with your flesh. So Peter wants us, before he dies, this is his swan song. He's in prison in Rome, just as Paul was martyred. He was in prison in Rome. Nero killed them both. They both agree with each other. As a newborn babe, we should have a spiritual appetite, a spiritual desire to grow. We should not want to stay babies. Look at Hebrews 5. Back up like 8, 10 pages in your Bible. Hebrews 5. You know, Paul, my, my, my understanding is it's Paul, Pauline. He's writing to convince them that there's no other Savior but Jesus, that Christ is greater than all of them. He's in chapter 5 talking about Jesus being a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And at the, in 5.11 he says, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. See, that's what the devil wants to happen to a child of God. He wants you first to become dull of hearing. Why does he want you to become dull of hearing? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he wants you to say, I read the Bible and I didn't understand it. He wants you to say, well, I don't care about my Bible. He wants you to say stuff that makes you dull of hearing the truth, the word of God. Look what, look what he says, though. He says, verse 12, for though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Listen, you're judging between good and evil because you're learning the Word of God. You're growing. If I tell you nothing else, that's what I want you to know about the Word of God. I don't want you to just hear the echo of my voice and say, well, Greg said. I actually, I mean, I despise it when I'm in the public and I talk to somebody and they say, my pastor says. Listen to me. That might not sound bad to you, but to me, you should be able to say, well, the word of God says, and God says, not an echo of what the pastor said. 
At some time, we have to mature. And I want you to understand that no matter what I'm doing up here, no matter what I'm saying on Sunday, Peter wants you to know that you're supposed to be growing. And the only way to grow is for you to have a personal love relationship with God that's real. And it comes from getting into the Word of God and eating the bread of God that come down from heaven. And it's yours personally. And then I want you to move on to get you a good steak where somebody says, well, well, how come? And you, you're able to tell them because you begin to mature and you know the truth of the word of God. And if you can't do that, I want you to be able to know where to go to find it and maybe have some study helps to be able to look it up. Well, let's look together. Come on. Let's search this out. Let's reason together. Because if all we do is sit around and act like we're spiritual, and we go to church on Sunday, that's not the gospel. That's dull of hearing. That's I feel good about myself. That's not understanding our identity in Christ and that we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are called to take this message to the masses. What's going on in the streets right now, we're going to get to it in a minute, is because there's no Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, perilous times, because we've ignored the Word of God. Perilous means a reduction of strength, because there is no Word of God, there is no truth of God, there's nothing, we're practicing evil, and we, we sit around and we act like, well... Everything's going to be okay. Not if we leave God out. It's never going to be okay. It's never going to be okay when you leave God out. It's only death and death culture. So let's look. That's why I encourage you all the time to be in the Word of God, to be in prayer, to be in fellowship, to work on your own relationship. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He introduces it with his name. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have given, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now listen, that's as far as we're going to get today, but what I want to do is I'm just going to read down a little bit farther because I want you to get this picture in your mind of growing, that you don't stop, but you're always on the grow. But also for this very reason... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. 
to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen. Listen. If you do these things, it's not saying a prayer one time and being done. There is always on the grow. You're adding to. You cannot exhaust. I had somebody tell me the other day, well, I read that Bible. Yeah, well, read it again. It's your daily bread. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us a desire to sup with you. We know that you're standing at the door knocking. You're desiring to have fellowship with your children, to have a relationship with those that you bought with your precious blood. So we pray, Lord, we would have a desire to open the door and dine with you and you with me, that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege of being able to know the God and creator of the heaven and the earth and to be involved with your ministry of reconciliation of souls. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So Simon Peter, verse 1. 2 Peter 1, 1. A bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I could spend several weeks on this. I'm going to try to cut it short. I'm sorry. Notice he doesn't say apostle first, but he says bondservant first. It actually says servant in the King James. But a bondservant, it's the Greek word doulos. It's a doulos. It's not somebody that's a slave because somebody has grabbed them and made them and taken them captive because they won in war. He's, all, the, all the apostles became douloses. It, it means it's subservient by volunteering. It means becoming someone who will do the will of someone else in love because you see the goodness that's in it. You become voluntary, uh, a voluntary uh, servant to the will of someone else. Devoted to another. If you wish to look, and we're not going to because the sermon would take too long, you can write this down. It's Exodus 21. Referring to the year of Jubilee. You come into a house, you're in the house for six years. If you came in with nothing in the seventh year, you were released. And you can go freely 
wherever you want, but you can't take anything that you earned or made or got during your time in the state. If you came into the house with nothing and while you were there, you married, and during that six years, you had some children, you ended up getting some supplies. When you left out, if you wanted to leave out, you were free to go, but you couldn't take none of the spoils with you. You couldn't take nothing with you. You had to go on your own. But if you decided that your master was good and you liked being there and you wanted to keep the home and the family and the inheritance that you had gained since you've been there, you would say voluntarily, I don't want to leave. I like it here. You've taken good care of me. And they would take you to the doorpost at the front of the house and they would take an awl and they would pierce your ear to the doorpost. See, most people don't know that the, the piercings that you put in your ears, those really represent the God that you worship. Jacob made his wives and children take their earrings out and put away their false gods. He literally says, put away your false god, takes all your earrings out and put them down. And they left them uh, by the tree in memory. It's, it's very interesting the things that we practice today that we don't understand the spiritual significance behind them. And we just say, oh, this is just what I'm doing. No, your heart is revealed by the way you dress, the way you act, the things you do. Your conduct, your conversation, and your character comes out because of you. But if you are a doulos, you should be about growing and becoming like the one who bought you with his blood. And everything about your conduct and your conversation and your character is supposed to become like his because he's bought you with a price. And you said, I voluntarily go with you. I don't know if you remember. I share this one often. I like it. There was an auction for slaves in southern Illinois and Abraham Lincoln was there. And he bid on a slave girl, and he won the bid, and she come and she said, what now? He says, you're free to go. She says, what do you mean free to go? He says, you're free to go. She said, you mean free to do whatever I want? Yeah, free to do whatever you want. Free to go wherever I want? Yeah, free to go wherever you want. You're free. She said, I want to go with you. You set me free. That's the love I like. That's what I want. If, you're, if you would buy me and say, go free, you're free, I want to go with you because I want to hear more of what you got to talk about. See, and that's what the Word of God should be. If the Word of God has come and rested in your heart and set you free and you believe in the blood of Jesus, you should want to know more about it and go with it. Not go back to the world and keep chasing what it's doing and say, now I think I'm going to heaven and all I want is some more of the world. The world was your bondage. The world was the lie. Everything going on out there was the deception to keep you from the Word of God. And now that you have the Word of God, you should want more of it if you really understand what's going on here. If you really understand it, we should all become douloses. And our will doesn't matter anymore. It's only God's will. But of course, we have that sin nature that wants what it wants. Notice, Peter doesn't say, I'm an apostle. Until after he confesses that he's a doulos. See, before he might have said that. Oh, yeah, I'm the one that said he was the Messiah. I'm the one that stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. But now as he's matured, he's realizing 
that he's nothing but a bondservant with his ear pierced to the gates of heaven because this is not his home. This is not his language. This is not his culture. This is not how he dresses. Everything that he has is being laid up in heaven because he's entered into the will of God and his inheritance is in heaven where Christ is seated. And when Christ appears, his life will appear with him. We're told in Colossians 3.3. That's when you see your life. Right now, we are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ, witnesses for Christ. So he says first he's a doulos. And I believe we have to be douloses in order to get past our flesh. We have to just completely draw a line in the sand and say, I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm living to do the will of God. And I want to find out what it is. And I want to grow in that every day. And if you don't, then you're always going to be double-minded. See, it's bad enough when you decide to be a doulos and, and your, your nature just drags at you and keeps pulling at you and causes you to stumble and you keep growing and you keep fighting it. But think about if you never decide to be a doulos and you just want to be something else down here. You know how easy it is for you to get stumbled? You know how easy it is to be a POW in the enemy's camp? You know how easy it is just to live a false life of pretending and saying, ah, it's all right, I said a prayer one time. That's exactly what the devil wants you. Because then you die and you don't ever have any security. You never know if you're really saved. You're never at, you're settled or at rest. You never really have the peace of God. And you fight with everybody you meet. You ever meet people like that? Everybody's bad? All you have to do is wait till you're alone with them. They'll tell you how bad the other people are. What are they saying about you when they're alone with somebody else? Everybody's bad. I'm the only one that's good. That's not settled. That's not resting. He's a bondservant. Second, he's an apostle. In case you want to know why I'm a bondservant, it's because I'm an apostle. One sent forth. That's what it means generally. One sent forth. Now, he was one of the original apostles, but he's not saying that. Because all of us can be general apostles because Christ gave us a command to go and make disciples. So we're all sent forth with the authority of God to do the work of God for the glory of God. Every one of us are. But these just so happen. See, and this is the problem I have. There's people that actually teach that they were somebody special. That the apostles now, this is all different now, but back then they had these gifts and that gift and they were this type of people. Listen to me. That's not what the Bible teaches all the way through it. The Bible teaches the ground is level. The Bible teaches we're all sinners. Listen, we're all sinners. What was our memory verse? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody was seeking after God. There's none righteous, none that understand. All of us, our throat, our mouths have become open sepulchers of death. Paul says over in Romans, it doesn't say that these apostles were better than us. In fact, the Bible says in James that you and I have a spirit just like Elijah. Ponder that for a long time and go back and read about Elijah who prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. The Bible says you and I have that same spirit. Why? Because it's all about God and what he's doing and he has control of the rain. 
It's all about God, and He has given you everything you need for life and godliness if you'll trust Him for it. If you'll grow in it, if you'll mature in it, if you'll go and do the work of the ministry, step out of the boat you're in and into the crashing waves where Jesus is at. See, this is a challenge. But see, the, the problem is, is we're in apostasy. The falling away from the faith. And we've been pretending church for quite some time. Now, there's always a remnant. There's always people still trying to preach the Word of God, but it's much easier to bring God down to our level. That's called religion. Bring God down here. Let's make it look like we, and let's make it comfortable. Let's make it fit. Let's take suffering out. Let's take the cross out. Let's take pain out. Let's take out the fact that we need to be doing what God wants, and let's just do what we want. And then I feel good about it. Now I can be a Christian. Yay, I get to dress like the world, act like the world, do like the world, and I call myself a Christian. Does that really make sense? Think about it. Think about it. Let's just take it into some simple thing like, oh, let's say uh, sports. Everybody's got their own dress, right? They got their uniform. You can tell what team they're on. So now you show up going over here like, hey, what's going on? No, I'm on your team. No, you're dressed like them over there. What do you mean you're on our team? I'm on your team today. No, you're dressed like them over there. Get over there. You're not on our team. I'm on your team. What are we doing? Think about it for a minute. It doesn't work, does it? So how can we look just like the world and yell that we're Christians? How can we still follow everything the world is doing and say, I'm a Christian? When we know the Bible says the whole world is underneath the sway of the wicked one. The whole world is leading us away from God. The whole world is telling us, did God really say? The whole world is built to blind you and make you dull of hearing so you never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm on your team. You're dressed like one of them. What are you doing over here? I'm on your team today. We ain't telling you none of the plays, dude, because we know you're going to run back over there and tell them. See, it just doesn't work. Because when you come to Jesus, everything about your life changes instantly, right? Think about it. If you remember when you come or if you become dull of hearing, when I come to Jesus, I cried for two years. Everything changed. I was this tough guy. I cried for two years. Milk commercial. I seen the trees. I would start crying. I'm serious. And God tenders us with tears. What's my point? I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was crying. I didn't know what was going on in my life. So I had to get into the Word of God and find out what He did to me. I had to find out what I had become and learn my identity and begin to find out and mature in this. What happened when you were born the first time? You come out of the womb going, wah! You didn't know why you was crying, but as soon as they shoved that ball in your mouth, you shut up. I'm serious. Milk, milk of the word. Find out what he did to you, what he did for you, what you've become, the kingdom that you're now part of. Grow in the grace and the knowledge, but don't run back and listen to the liar. He's still trying to deceive you. He doesn't want you to go. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to tell somebody else. He doesn't want you to change because the people on the job will say, 
That dude lost his mind. He's crazy. He won't talk about nothing but Jesus. But then they start to watch what you're doing and how you're living and how your life is different and how your character has become something else. And they see that you're a new creation. And they go, I'm kind of sick of this death I'm in. Maybe I need some of what he's got because he seems to be at peace. He seems to be fine. He seems to know what's going on. He don't react the way I react when the boss comes in here and starts yelling. Listen to me. You make people thirsty. You make them question their own belief system. We become apostles, sent forth as ambassadors, representing the kingdom of God. Not in our own strength, not with our own abilities, not with our own intellect, but with the Spirit of God. Because you know what? If I talk to you in my intellect, you won't grow. But if I talk to you with what the Spirit of God wants you to hear, the Word of God, then you're automatically going to grow thereby. The pure milk of the Word that you will grow thereby. You can't make a baby grow. Think about it. You get that little baby and you're like, oh no, we're parents. We got to take care of this thing. Ah, changes your life. Changed mine. I got married and had three kids instantly. Changed my life. What no more running and crying and playing. I said, I got to take care of these kids. And in fact, I went the other way way too far. Discipline. Stop. Quit. No. Get. Go. Until God spoke to me one day when I told my wife to go to the store and get eggs, milk, bread, and get some cheese. And she came back with a couple other items in the bag. And I was like, honey, I told you we only had this much money. And I had a check on the board that I hadn't put in the bank yet. And she said, I'm sorry. And she handed me the receipt. And the receipt she spent to the penny the exact amount that was in our checking account. To the penny. It wasn't like, it was like 2106. And I was like, and I sat down on the couch and God said, I got this part. I got this part. You don't have to worry about this part. He, sp- he, he balanced our checkbook to the penny with what she was doing because she got what we needed. And I will provide for all of your needs. Not your greeds, but your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he even gives you exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope for or ask if you trust him. Just that much. Just a little tiny bit. Listen, Peter is not bragging. Peter is going to place himself exactly where everybody else is. Only today in our seminaries and in our teaching do we place Peter above us. Do we try to act like they were somebody other than men that were fishermen, that they were mean and crazy and tough, and they met Jesus? He places himself right at the ground, just like everybody else should, that we're all the same. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. To those who have obtained like 
precious faith. Now, there's a lot there. Obtaining, right? Obtaining precious faith. Notice, though, the words that go around it. Like. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody gets the same faith. It's all the same body of Christ. He's not trying to be some pompous person. It's all in the same boat together, in the same fellowship. He's writing to those who have obtained, they believed in Jesus, and have the same precious faith. There's a lot of people who say that that's not even a word for guys, especially not tough fishermen. Precious, isn't that precious? They say that's a girly word. I say that about food all the time. You got any men's food instead of all that girly food? Meat and potatoes. Come on! See, and if you like to eat something else, go ahead and eat it. But I just like meat and potatoes. I think we should be carnivores. God said, I made all things for you to eat. I mean, how could you call something that God has made unclean? Sorry, I've get, I better get away from that or somebody will get mad at me. But we've changed, we've killed God's word. Instead of reading God's word and learning God's word and having a co-perception with God and going out and be the, uh, the, the, the people of God and representing them, having the right type of clothing and actions and words and deeds, we join the world, but we go to church. We do everything the world does, but we're ashamed of our God. We're ashamed to stand in the workplace and be a Christian. Because it's not popular. And we want to be popular. We want people to like us. You know, I don't care if nobody likes me. I'm serious. God likes me. He loves me. He died for me. That's enough. Now, would I like you to talk with me? Yes. Would I like you to hear what I have to say? Yes, let's be friends. But I am not going to compromise the gospel so that you'll like me. Because the next thing I'll do is I'll stop coming to church. Or I'll start going online and going, can I get one of them canned sermons so I can preach about something that I don't even understand or know? That's what a lot of pastors do. I, I listen to their sermons. I'm like, dude, Dude, they've been teaching that for 200 years. When are you going to wake up? When are you going to teach out of a relationship? Even if it's bad, even if the teaching stumbles, teach because you're growing in a relationship. Don't teach what people taught 200 years ago because you're afraid to step out of the box and have a relationship with God. Don't keep being an echo. Be a voice for God. Be an ambassador for God. Be a doulos. Be an apostle. But be something other than an echo. Do you know that the word echo in the Greek is the word used for possession? The Greek word echo is what is used when the possessed girl is chasing Peter and them around going, these are the servants of the Most High God. It's because she's possessed with a demon. Echo. What's she doing? She's echoing what the demon is telling her to say. We want to be a voice. We want to hear His voice, and we want to tell people what He's saying to us. 
We want to be very careful not to teach commentaries because when Jesus came the first time to the nation of Israel, they were teaching commentaries. They were teaching what other teachers had taught them to teach and they missed the Messiah. Because they were not teaching out of knowledge of God and a relationship with God in a personal way, even though it was available. It's, he's always made himself available to anybody who will search for him and find him. He's not hiding. He came down. So, to those who have obtained, you've received, first, or, excuse me, it's John 1, 11 and 12. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become sons of God, children of God, even to those who believed in his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority. You come under his name. Obtain like precious faith. Listen to what it means, like precious is equal in value, equal in honor. Everybody that comes to Jesus and believes in the blood, guess what? We all get the exact same inheritance. It doesn't matter whether you came in the morning, in the middle of the afternoon, or at night. You come to Jesus by the blood of Jesus. Everyone gets perfect righteousness, perfect salvation, a perfect hope, a perfect inheritance. Everybody gets the same exact perfection. Now, when you start looking at the body of Christ, we get different gifts all of us can't be a mouth. All of us can't be an arm. All of us can't be a leg. It's, it's, it's a perfect analogy where we all have different gifts and Jesus is the head. But all of us have this same perfect salvation that the blood of Jesus bought for us. It's like precious faith. The word is pistis. It means uh, reliance upon Christ for salvation and a constancy, a continuing abiding and remaining in that faith. But it really means the whole scheme of the gospel. We all receive the exact same thing. Many of us just don't search it out. Many of us don't look for it. Many of us ignore it. And we said, somebody told me if I said a prayer, I'm good. I've told you the, the, the story several times. Where we had a guy, I used to work with him. He, he come to church, walked forward and said a prayer. And he literally, after he said amen, he jumped up and he said, Cuckoo, can't get me now, Satan. And we never seen him again. Because the church teaches him if he goes forward and says a prayer, now he's saved. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. That's culturanity. Now, if you want to do that, Make sure you have some altar counselors to take some aside afterward and says, listen, dude, this was the starting line. This is now you believe in the blood. And if you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you have a position. But now you need to grow and be sanctified. And then the finish line is when you are glorified. But this is only the start. You have to add to your faith. Like precious faith. Notice it's with us. You want to know who you are? Listen. Listen. Anytime the Bible says you are, that's who you are. That's your identity. That's what we're supposed to be finding out. Who am I now in the kingdom of God? Not who was I in the death culture. Not who was I in the world. But now I've become a new creation. What's that all about? 
So when it says you are, that's your identity. When it says we are, or right here it says with us, this is the body of Christ. All of us get these same things together. But then if God says you are, and I gave you the gift of evangelism, I gave you the gift of preaching, then you know that that's who you are. And you say, okay, Lord, if I'm supposed to preach, what am I supposed to talk about? But it's all in this precious gift. It's all in the same together. And then you begin unwrapping it. You begin growing in it. You begin learning it. Think about it. The devil can't create. So the devil mimics God. He wants to be like God. So what does he do? He takes and creates institutions that look like what God has already created. That's why we call them the synagogues of Satan. So what does he do when God has a church that's the called out ones? They're being indoctrinated. Yes, that's a good word. If it's with God's word, we're being taught how to live doctrinally before God. So what does Satan do? He creates institutions and he begins to teach people lies. He's just mimicking God. He just does the same thing. And you, the only way you can guard against this to keep from being destroyed, 66 books, 40 authors. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you through this word and understand this word. And you begin to draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But first you have to submit to God and resist the devil. Well, how do I know? Submit to God. He'll show you when it's time to resist. Flee that. Get away from that. That's bad. Run. And when he says run, he's not talking about playing around with it. Well, maybe I should touch it a little bit. No, flee. Run. You have to understand that the Antichrist has been sent out, and he's allowed to deceive the elect if it were possible. I don't believe it's possible. To perfect salvation. So he's putting himself in the same boat. To those, he's writing to those who have received like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, or excuse me, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Theology not mixed up. He knows that Jesus is God. And the righteousness comes from Jesus. He who, be, he who knew no sin, Jesus, perfection, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your account could not be paid. You, the wages of sin is death. This is going to be next week's verse. It's 623 of Romans. The wages of sin of death, but the free gift from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, that's what he was demonstrating when he came down and, and, and he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, fallen short, Christ died for us. Well, why would he die for us? Because our sin, our wages for that, our paycheck was going to be eternal death. We didn't even know it. We're down here thinking we're good and we're running around and we're doing this and doing that. We're following the lying world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one, doing what they think, thinking that whoever gets the most toys wins. And the whole time we were running straight to hell. And then the Holy Spirit wakes us up and says, wages of sin is death, but there's a free gift from God. 
and it's eternal life in Christ Jesus. Not eternal life cast into hell, but you get to stay in Christ Jesus, be part of his house, his home. You get to search this out. That's where that righteousness comes from. The word, the word used justification, same word. Just as if you never sin. Righteousness is right living before God. Our account, we couldn't pay it. It was, oh, the wages of that's going to be death. And Jesus said, Whoosh! he switched him when you believed. And it says on your account now, to tell us die, paid in full. And all the righteous indignation of a just God who has to pour out death upon sinners was poured out on his own son. His own son took every bit of the world's punishment for sin. And you know, there's people that are going to put themselves in hell by never receiving it. And they're going to have to suffer that punishment, even though it was already paid for for them. Because they won't just surrender and believe. Nobody's going to be in hell because God put them there. The only people in hell is going to be people that rejected God and said no to God. And didn't open that gift, didn't receive that gift of righteousness from our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he opens again. Here's an opening. I'm just doing the opening this week, people. Sorry. Can't get much more out of this because it's deep. He only writes three chapters, and it's like, what? How can you say all this in three chapters? Uh, verse 2 is the same as he did in, 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 in his first letter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How's it multiplied to me? In the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. Listen, this word knowledge in three chapters 16 times. Very important word when you're reading the Bible. Epigenosos. Epigenoskos. Grace and peace. So let's deal with that. You cannot have peace with God unless you have the grace of God first. You will not find it in the Bible, peace and grace. Because there is no peace without the grace of God that brings salvation. You have to first have the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, unmerited favor, something you don't deserve, and then once you open the grace of God and receive it, now you're at peace with God. Because you're an enemy with God if you don't have the grace of God that brings salvation, Christ Jesus. The only way to have peace is first to believe in the grace by faith that you've been given. And then you can have peace. You go, whoa, I ain't fighting with God no more. I was an enemy of God, and now Jesus died for me. He paid my wages for my sin. And because of that grace, I can now have peace with God. I can sit down with Him and talk. I can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All my needs. Listen to me. Your greatest needs are spiritual these bodies are going to die. You're going to leave all this stuff behind. You're not going to be worried about your rent when you get to the throne room and you're being judged. It's a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual God. You're a spirit in a body and your needs are spiritual, not physical. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Spiritual. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Christ and all these other things will be done for you. All of this gets thrown in if you just do the spiritual need. If you just get into the Word of God 
and, and read the truth of God that come down from heaven to us and learn to obey it by His power, His strength, His might, and go out and understand this precious faith that we are living in, everything else is thrown in. And if it's not, you didn't need it. Think about it. perfect salvation, perfect God. And you're like, I didn't get it. You didn't need it. He's perfect. You just desire it. You didn't need it. I still want it. Well, keep chasing it. You're going to get chastised. Keep running after it. It's going to hurt. Keep reaching. He's going to smack your hand. A loving God is going to take you to the woodshed. He's going to spank your butt. Not to destroy you, but to continue to grow you and to teach you how to walk before Him. So grace and peace is multiplied. Math is in the Bible. Multiplied. You know, this word is used over in Matthew. Am I right? 24.12. Matthew 24.12. When the Bible says lawlessness will abound. Same word here. Multiply. Lawlessness will, because the more people that are born and the more people that reject God, the more lawlessness is going to multiply. It's going to abound on the earth if they don't listen to the Word of God. If they don't receive the grace of God and come to peace with God and begin to grow in God, they become rejectors of God and they continue to live in an evil way and it's bound to multiply. You see it in your streets today, lawlessness in death culture because they refuse and reject the grace of God. So they have no peace with God, so they don't like anything. They have bitterness in their heart, and all you got to do is find somebody to point at, and they will go off on them. That's all you got to do. Just show them something to take their bitterness and their hate and their anger and their frustration out on, and they will go. Because they've been trained that way. Your heart is bitter. It's angry. It just wants to blame somebody. That's original sin. So now that we know that, you and I have to be wise as serpent and gentle as doves and know how to speak to those who are just waiting to explode. They have that short wick. And share Jesus with them. Jesus came to all of us. We were all like that at one time. But we have obtained like precious faith as Peter did. Why? Because Peter shared the gospel down the corridors of time. Why? Because other peoples were ambassadors. Why? Because other people were growing. Why? Because other people believed the word of God. How did you come to know? Because somebody shared Jesus with you. That's what ambassadors do. That's what witnesses do. They give testimony. So grace and peace is multiplied. It's abounding. How does it abound? How does it multiply in your life? Look what it says. To you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And of Jesus our Lord. Listen, this is so important. Epigonoskos. We're going to get to it. Don't panic. Slow down. Epigonoskos. Jesus uses this word when he says you can tell a tree by its fruit. You can... Tell is epigonoskos. When you look at a tree, to think about this a minute, I got some apple trees in my yard. I don't look at them apple trees and goes, What's that, a cherry tree? No, I can tell that tree by its fruit. I go, That's an apple tree. 
That's a golden delicious one. I can look right at it and tell what kind of fruit it is. Upon recognition, upon full discernment of looking at it, I can say that's an apple tree. And so that's what it is and how you grow and how the grace and peace of God is multiplied in your life by epigenos going who God is, what he's done, what he's doing. Where do I find that at, Greg? In the word of God. You find it in the word of God. This is his love letter to us. This is the Holy Spirit writing down what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, what he's said, his voice. You can find it in prayer. When you go to prayer and you're learning to be dependent upon Him and you hear His voice, you hear Him speak, He gives you peace and He settles you in certain situations. But it always has to line up with His Word. If you go, if you go to prayer and you're praying about leaving your wife and marrying your secretary and God tells you to go marry your secretary, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You're following your own desires. It's not in the Word of God. God hates divorce. Listen to me. When we go on living our life against the will of God, it's going to hurt. That's why I tell you, much of our suffering, much of our pain, much of what's going on in our life, we blame it on the devil because we're Christians. No, it's you resisting growing and learning and finding out who this God is and who this precious faith is and how this goes. What we're supposed to be doing now that we've entered the race, that we've become children of God, that positionally we're new creations. Now we have to learn to run and act like children of God and be witnesses for God and mature in that walk and then help disciple others in the same manner. Boy, I got too much material here to look at. So your grace and your peace is going to be multiplied in knowing God, a personal love relationship. All of us can say, listen, we did, I just shared a testimony of Abe Lincoln. I know Abe Lincoln. No, you heard of Abe Lincoln. It's impossible for us to know Abe Lincoln. I read three autobiographies on Abe Lincoln, and I still don't know Abe Lincoln. I've heard a lot of stuff about him, but I don't know him. This is a living word of a living God that you can come to know personally and spend time with, but you have to choose to do it, and then you can know him. We know the president, maybe. We knew the last president. We don't know who the president is right now. Sorry. It's, I still respect the office. I'm not being disrespectful. When you can't figure out how to get off stage, you're probably not calling the shots. Um, and I could tell you some names, but I'm not going to. We're going to turn and digress by. Um, you can say you know somebody, but do you have knowledge and experience? You know that, that this word is used in Hebrew when Adam knew his wife? There was intercourse. I know people go, Woo! No, intercourse means social conversation. And now we've changed it into some sexual connotation, but the word intercourse means to have a conversation, intercourse between two people. Social intercourse builds a relationship. That's why the Bible is relational. And that's why he says, come and meet together and do not, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the manner of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, it is approaching. And where's the sheep at? Are they being equipped 
or are they being deceived? Are they growing or are they still chasing the world? Do they not understand? Do we not understand? Are we not comprehending that the only way we're going to see what's going on out there is by getting in here? And not just today, but all week long having your daily bread. Your own personal relationship with God. Your own social intercourse with God. Because you're a child of God. You've been birthed by God through the precious blood of God. And now you need to be nurtured by that same Father who's already provided everything perfectly in salvation. But we resist Him and keep chasing the old nature. Now watch. Watch what He says here. This, this really says a lot and it needs to be broke down. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord, God, he's also God. Verse 3, as his, Jesus, God, divine, it's deity, divine power, it's the word deutimus, it's what he says you will receive, Acts 1a, but you shall receive deutimus when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But you don't receive that power, that divine nature, that divine power, unless you have turned your heart to be a doulos. You've turned your heart to do the will of God. He's not going to give you power to go out and be a rock star. He's not giving you power to go out and do your own thing. He's given you a power to be a witness. A witness. So very important to understand, to go out and give testimony to Jesus. Because if he's lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. If you're lifted up, they come to you. And listen, wisdom doesn't stop with us. So, divine is really godlike. It's actually theos, not theos, it's T H I O S, which really represents the Trinity the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the divine power. They're all three interacting with us um, at the same time, doing the same will for the reconciliation of souls. As his divine power has given, it's a gift to us. That's all of us together. That's who we are as the body. All. Somebody get out a calculator. Figure out how much all is. Type A-L-L in it. All what? All things that pertain to life, zoe, eternal life, and godliness. That's the direction pertaining to responding to life and godliness, which is holiness, or really the gospel scheme. Let's read it again. Second part. Through how? The knowledge of Him who called us by, how do you call us? By glory and virtue. Again, knowledge. Do you see this? Grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of God. And we've been called through the knowledge of Him. He's given us all things that pertain to this life through the knowledge of Him. Epigenoskos. Who called us. You guys hear the phone? It's ringing. He called us. It's ringing. Pick it up. Phone A. His voice. Listen, every person that comes to Jesus, hear his voice. 
and hear that they're sinners and you say yes you picked up the phone and once you pick it up you can't put him on hold many do but you want to keep hearing his voice you want to grow and you want to learn to articulate and you go whoa 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 that's greg's voice that's not god's voice i want to hear god's voice because he says my sheep hear my voice i know them relationship and they follow me epigenoskos because they come to know in relationship are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's so many scriptures that use this epigenoskos. Um, Ephesians 1.17, Philippians 1.9, Colossians 1.9 and 10. All through the letters talking about the knowledge of God. Look at John 17. Not epigenoskos, John 17, 3. Let's read, let's read, uh, I'm going to read all of it. We run out of time again. 17, 1. This is really God's prayer. This is the true prayer of Christ. The Lord's prayer, when you hear it, this is the Lord's prayer right here. All of chapter 17. He's praying. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, this is prayer of Jesus. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. When you finish the work that you've done that God called you to do, you're glorifying the father because you've become like the father. You're doing what the father planned for you to do. Think about that. If you become a chip off the old block and you do what the father wanted you to do, don't you make the father proud? Don't you glorify him? Is it a reflection of what the father has done in training you in life? Anyway, uh, verse 2. As you have given him, he's talking in third person about himself, authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Notice that he is acknowledging where everything that he has come from, come from the Father God. It come from God. And he's just here as a suffering servant to lay down his life as an ambassador to the kingdom of God. And this is, this is what I wanted to get you to, this is eternal life. I've got eternal life. I believe in Jesus. This is eternal life. What is it? That they may know you. See, Jesus is a reflection of the love and the heart of God. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know there is gnosko. It's not epigonosko. See, because it's the completion, knowing. Upon recognition is the knowledge word we're using when you see it. So you should be searching out so you can come to know this Jesus. You can come to see him because he's a reflection of the Father. He said in 14.6 to, to uh, Thomas, have I been with you so long and you haven't seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father because they're all one together. They're doing the same thing in redemption. Everything that we're doing is through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory, his honor, his praise, and virtue. Virtue here really, oh my goodness, moral excellence. I know, we, I know listen to me, listen, we, I know we say, well, patience is a virtue, right? Well, it's only one virtue. Because really, what is the moral excellence of God? It's love. 
And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's everything about him. That's the virtue of God. And this is why he called us. It's because of his great mercy. His great mercy that he came up with a plan of salvation. Because of God's mercy, we are not consumed. Trying to think of Titus 3, 5, and 6. My brain wasn't getting it though, so we'll move on. Virtue is this. Let me read it to you. Because see, when we think of virtue, we think usually of patience or something like that. Uh, the Romans thought of bravery and valor. That was, that was virtue. It was strength. Um, it's moral goodness. It's moral excellence. It's It's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, because of who he is, because of his great love, he has called us. And we have to pick up the phone. By faith. And because of his calling, verse 4, by which he has given us, excuse me, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Why would he give us these great and precious promises? That through these you may be partakers, have fellowship, partnership of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through is the channel. Listen to me. This is a very important word. Where are you getting your truth from? Where are you getting your virtue from? Where are you getting your moral excellence from? See, because there's false spirits out there. There's demon spirits. There's spirit of the Antichrist that also channels and tells you things that are lies. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, remember that word channels? You know, like the book uh, 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 Jesus Calling? The book Jesus Calling. The author channeled a spirit and said God was speaking to her and changes the word of God. See, and that's a number one bestseller in the Christian church today of a devotional for women. And some lady channels another spirit. Not the Bible. Listen to me. Research it. There's other spirits out there that, that, that fall short of the moral excellence and the virtue and the glory of God. And they want you to follow their channeling and think that you're okay through their teaching when in fact it doesn't line up with this truth. And that's what the devil did to Eve in the first place. He channeled her something that didn't line up with the word of God. And she said, I like that better. See, because your flesh always wants to come in lower. Your flesh always wants to say, I like that. That would be good for me. It would be better to read this Jesus calling than it would be to read my Bible and really hear from the voice of God. This is a great echo. But listen, it's an echo from a demon spirit. I know people get mad at me when I say this stuff. There's a whole bunch of books out there you need to be, well, 99.9% .9 of the books you need to be cautious with if it's not the Bible. Because you don't want to live your life on an echo. 
You don't want to live your life guessing, wondering, and worrying whether that book was right. Just approach God. He's given you great and precious promises. He's given you everything for life and godliness in the 66 books by 40 authors. In His Word of God, which is the bread from heaven that will change your life. That will grow you up in the faith. That will strengthen you. So why would you want to read somebody else's book? See, it's hard for me. I always wanted to write books. Always wanted to write books. That's what I always said. When I was in prison, I said, you know what? When I'm 40, if I'm not happy with what I'm doing, I'm going to the beach and I'm going to write books. That was just my plan. I had a plan. At 40, I was a preacher. I said, nope, ain't going to write no books because I'm going to point everybody to the book that matters. The basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. Why would I write a book and say, look at my book? Then I'd be selling myself and I would sell others short. When they can just read this book and study this book and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's Him that we want to know. Because He's the one that bought us with His precious blood. He's the one that gave us precious promises. Listen, precious promises. Have you searched out what promises, Greg? Have you searched them out? Do you know what promises he's made to us? I know one big one. that He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And that's a great one. That's a great promise. That he'll get me across the finish line. That he's coming back to get me. That he's given me everything in this perfect salvation that pertains to life and godliness. And I don't need to go chasing something else to get it. If he's satisfied with this perfection, this is the mark I want to hit. I was a sinner falling short of the glory of God. Archery term. That's what it is. It's an archery term. You pull back, harmateo or something like that, and you shoot this arrow, and it's going at the target, and it falls short at God's glorious mark. He's telling me that everything I need to hit that glorious mark is hidden in Christ Jesus. All I have to do is believe in Him and grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Grow in the knowledge of what He's done, what He's doing, what He wants me to do. And then, I meet the same mark of my positional righteousness and my sanctification. I'm looking to meet the mark of my practical sanctification, practical righteousness. Right living before God. I missed something here. All in the knowledge of God. Are you growing in the knowledge of God? Recognition of who He is? Learning your identity in Christ? You can tell a tree by its fruit. Let's look at Hosea. Let me give you another witness of this. Hosea chapter 4. You guys hip to Hosea? Hosea was told by God to marry a whore, a cheating wife, because it was a type of how Israel had cheated on him and forgotten him and went away to strange and everybody else and slept with everybody else and ignored God. And then in chapter 4, it kind of shifts a little bit. Listen to this. Chapter 4, he's speaking to his wayward people that are that impending judgment's coming. 
because of their moral decay, not their moral excellence that comes from looking to God, but the moral decay of their nation. And he says that punishment is coming. He says, hear the word of the Lord. What are we supposed to hear? Faith comes by hearing. Your chil- you children of Israel. Israel means um, governed by God. So we can say, hear the word of the Lord, you children governed by God. If you're a child of God, you're supposed to be governed by God. That's what his name means. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. What's his charge? There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. This is what happens when a nation forgets God. Listen to me. It's very important. Now, this is not emphatic because there's always a remnant. God always keeps a remnant. But the overall condition of a nation in its moral decay is that it's forgotten God. It removes God. It turns away to false gods. In fact, at this time, we remember that this is the culmination of the northern kingdoms leaving. And they set up golden calves. And they tried to worship God with their golden calves. But eventually, they forgot the knowledge of God. And they made up their own religion. And then Judah followed them because they made an agreement with the northern kingdoms and they brung it all together. And finally, Ahab and Jezebel's kids married into the southern kingdom and they all became the same way. One just went quicker than the other. And so he's saying this is the culmination of this. Watch it. There's no truth or mercy. The truth is God's mercy. He saves us. Or knowledge of God in the land. Think about that. There's lies everywhere. People have stopped telling people about God. That was their whole call to be ambassadors. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraints. They broke loose from the knowledge of God. They broke loose from what they were called to do with bloodshed upon bloodshed. So murder upon murder, abortion upon abortion. Therefore, the land will mourn. You know, the creation testifies about God. The creation is groaning for redemption. And everyone who dwells there will waste away with the beast of the field, the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea will be taken away. This is God pronouncing judgment against Israel. Could fit if you compared it to the nation of America or the world today, we should say. Now let no man strive, King James, contend, New King James, or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. Listen, the priest, what did the priest do? The priest represented man before God. See, Jesus is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. You can come boldly to God, but only through Jesus. Priests always represent God to man. And it says, don't let anybody contend with the priest. Don't contend with them. Don't rebuke one another. Therefore, you shall stumble in the day. The prophet also shall stumble. What did the prophet do? The prophet brought the word of God. The prophet represented God to man. See, they were both in two different offices in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus is all of it. He's our mediator between God and man. But in the Old Testament, the priest represented the people to God, brought the sacrifice, and then the prophet would bring the word of God to the people, what God was saying about their sacrifice. Prophet right now, Hosea, which means salvation, that's what Hosea means, is telling us, there, verse 5, Therefore you shall stumble in the day. It's daylight. Why would you stumble over something with the light on? Usually you stumble in the darkness, right? But we think we have light and we're still stumbling. The prophet also shall stumble 
with you in the night. So the prophet is supposed to be bringing the word of God, but he is messing it up because he's not looking to God because there's no knowledge of God in the land. So all he's doing is saying something to tickle your ears. And I will destroy your mother. What? Destroy means cut off. And he's talking the mother is the nation. The one who gave birth, the nation. Why is our nation being destroyed? There's no knowledge of God in it. We're murdering, lying, cheating, stealing, committing adultery. There's no moral excellence because we've forgotten God. When a nation forgets God, he always judges it. Verse 6, my people are destroyed. This is the verse I really wanted to get you to for lack of knowledge. Listen. Even the church today is destroyed for lack of knowledge because how do you grow with knowledge? Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God and His moral excellence and you're adding to it and you're growing. You're involved in what He's doing. You're a part of His kingdom and His family. But when you lack that, perilous times come. Perilous times come. We go, I'm doing good. I'm a Christian. And you don't know anything about the Word of God. I talk to people all day long and they don't know a word about the Word of God. And I'm not indicting them. I'm saying you've been a Christian for 30 years and I mentioned the book of John and you're like, I gotta go. And you walk away because we've ignored the word of God because the prophet even has not instructed the people to have a personal relationship with God and learn this word so that you can hear his voice and know what's going on. And that's how they got cut off. That's how they got destroyed, for lack of knowledge. Look at the second line of six. Because you have rejected knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God. Oh, we have, oh, knowledge is increasing. Travel's going to and fro in that day, Daniel says. But knowledge of what? Knowledge of everything but God. Knowledge of everything but God. Oh, we're smarter than ever. We're living longer than ever. We got more medicine than ever. We're doing better than ever. We're flying planes better than We're doing all this knowledge. No, 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 no. Knowing God's righteous requirement. Knowing God's Messiah. Knowledge of what God's doing. It's His planet. He's going to judge one day. And we're caught up. In knowledge of everything else. And we think we're okay because my house is nice. My bank account's full. My car runs great. Listen to me. That has nothing to do with eternity. That's all going to burn. But it keeps our attention. And we forget about the knowledge of God. Our cupboards become full. And we forget God. See, we would rather have suffering. It would be better if somebody was persecuting you and had you arrested and put in a cell and you knew, I need to cry out to God. I'm in trouble. But when you fall asleep from complacency and from plenteous blessings and you forget God, just like the nation of Israel, just like we have done. It's not really a word, but I made it up. Plentiful might be a better word instead of plenteous. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Listen to me. You reap what you sow. See, we're all believer priests in the New Testament. 
God's always, from the beginning, wanted a nation of priests. All he ever did when he started the nation of Israel was to call them out to be representatives to point to him. He's always been involved in wanting a nation of priests. They called them out of Egypt, and then all of a sudden they're in the wilderness, and, and they rise up and play while Moses is getting the, the, the Ten Commandments that they said they would follow. So what's he do? He takes just a small group of them, 3,000, and he makes them priests. Until when he comes. And now we all, Peter told us in his last letter, we're all believer priests. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people who called us out of darkness to proclaim his marvelous light. Witnesses. But he says, I'm going to reject you because you lack the knowledge. How can you be a witness for God if you don't know the word of God? If you don't have knowledge of who God is and what he's doing, how can you be a witness? How can you go in, okay, go in the courtroom, you open the courtroom, you say, did you see the crime, sir? Uh-uh. Do you know the victim? Uh-uh. Do you know the defendant? Uh-uh. Get him out of here. He ain't got nothing to say. He ain't even involved. He's up in here talking about he's a witness. He don't know nothing. Listen to me. You can't be a witness unless you know. And, and you can't know unless you get into the Word of God. You cannot read somebody's book and know God. You have to read his book, his testimony. You have to spend time with him and trust him and say, God's faithful. He's made great and precious promises. I can testify. Look at my life. And it all starts with the pure milk of the word. Listen, if you haven't begun it, begin it today. God doesn't reveal these things so he can beat us up and condemn us and go up. I gave up. I quit. No, start today. Get into the word today. If you want to live for him and be his child, hear his voice today. Learn to obey him today. Learn to trust Jesus today. 6b, I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Listen, you reap what you sow. If you're not living according to the word of God, how does a nation get stolen? How does our children end up going somewhere else and believing something else and doesn't even know what we believe? Because they reap, you weep what you sow. You're supposed to train them in the way they're supposed to go. And you was too busy living your life. All of us, the whole nation. And we wake up and we go, wow, they've been indoctrinating them for 30 years to be communist? I didn't know. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. The more people, the more sin against them because nobody's telling them about the moral excellence of God. I will change their glory into shame. They're real proud about what they've done. They're honoring themselves and glorifying themselves. And he says, that's shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their inequity. Our hearts are set to do our own sin. And it shall be like people like priests. So the priests start following the people and giving them what they want instead of, so I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Reap what you sow. For they shall eat but not have enough. Ooh, famine. They shall commit harlotry but not increase. Kill their own kids because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Mm. Listen, that's not the end of it all. Look at 5.15 of Hosea. Listen, there's always hope. There's always a future. There's always tomorrow. Today you can repent. 5.15, I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Listen, God's still crying out to you. Just say acknowledge it. Just say I repent. Just say I did that. Just say that's me. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I agree, Lord. Then they will seek my face in their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. Come, chapter 6, come and let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. Listen, he only does it to redeem us. He only does this to get our attention. He has stricken us, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Today's the day for salvation. Today's the day to pursue him. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. He will, he's going to bear fruit if you let him. He will bear fruit. Just repent and turn to him. There's always a future and a hope. He's talking about the nation of Israel, but the same God is the same character, same person, same with all of his children. He's not a respecter of person. You can trust him. He wants to grow you, but he wants you to turn to him and acknowledge him and build a personal relationship that begins in the word, prayer, and fellowship, confessing your sin. Acts 2.42, that's how the early church was birthed. They called it, instead of the Word of God, they called it the Apostles' Doctrine. Why? Because the Apostles were going straight to Jesus. They were, they were with Him for three and a half years. They were the ones that were receiving it straight from Him, and they wrote it down, and it became the Bible, the Apostles' Doctrine. Our nation, our children, our people, everything goes when we forget God. We didn't just forget him. We've taken him out. We have separation of church and state. We have separation of Sunday and Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. We go to church on Sunday, and then all week long, the church is not the church anymore. They live like the world. See, today is for the equipping to go out there and live as the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia. See, we can be partakers. He's not, he's not keeping it from us. Let's go back to our text. Partakers of his nature. We had sin nature and he gave us his nature, righteousness. He's perfect righteousness. He gave us a new nature in righteousness. He took the penalty and the power of sin. He gave us a new nature and now you have to begin to practice it. Well, how do I practice it? I begin to go back to the coach. I begin to go back to the Holy Spirit. I go back to the Word of God. And I say, this is how I walk. This is where I'm going. I want to know the knowledge of you. What did you call me to do? I already know that we have like precious faith. I already know it's because of grace. I already know I can have peace. But are you experiencing it? Are you enjoying this love relationship? Are you talking to him like a father? Are you trusting him? Having escaped, listen, we escaped that death. We escaped the corruption, the decay, the de everything that was going on that was in the world through lust, through desire. How did it enter? How did it first enter the world? By a little deceit that the devil looked at Eve and said God's holding out on you and she wanted to know what and he was lying to her God's not holding out he gave us everything perfectly he's not holding back anything he's told us his entire plan of what's going on what happened what's going to happen it's all contained in here he doesn't hold anything back we're his family 
He wants us to be involved in it. And so if you're involved, you ever, you ever done that before you're involved in something? I do it all the time at work. I'm involved in something. And then you get there and you're doing it. And I go, oh, we're supposed to do that? Nobody told me that. I hate that when that happens because my plan could have been better if I knew that everything was encompassed in that. And, and, but now I'm doing something backward because I should have done that before I did this. But God's told us everything we need to know. He's given us everything we need to know. He's provided perfectly. And he's allowed us to escape his judgment, and he put it on his son. And I don't have time to get to it, but you can read it yourself. Homework, 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For, the love of the, for, for if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away and the love of it. But he who does the will of God will live forever. That's what John wants us to know. If you do the will of God, well, what's he want you to do? Well, his will, his first will is that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And once you come to that knowledge, grow in that knowledge. Go in that knowledge and tell others, be a witness. And don't get caught up lusting and desiring things of this world. Wanting to be famous, wanting to be important. And being tripped up by the devil and his plan. Walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship of one another. Father, thank you that we can partake of your divine nature because of Christ and his blood, his righteousness. That now we are children of God, grafted into the vine. Ah. Thank you for your moral excellence that we can see your character, nature, and will through the scriptures. Thank you that your spirit, as it washes and cleanses us, builds up that nature in us as we obey. Lord, may we be found obeying. May we be found watching, working, and waiting when you come. May we not be found as POWs in the enemy's camp, ashamed at your glorious appearing, as John says. Lord, we don't want to be ashamed at your glorious appearing. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. So give us a desire, Lord, to search out your word, to spend time in the word, prayer, and fellowship, to allow you to wash and cleanse us and help us to partake of that divine nature through the knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. 
If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I?